Well, good morning. Happy New Year as well. Uh, today, of course, is second Sunday of Christmas, but also the Sunday we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord and his revelation to us as the Son of God. Uh, several things to share with you this morning as we get started. A reminder that our congregational meeting is next week following the service, so please make plans to attend and be part of that meeting. Uh, following the meeting, we will undecorate the church as Christmas has passed. Uh, also, you'll notice that there is a sign-up sheet for the Epiphany House Blessings down in the lower narthex. Uh, I'll begin doing that next Sunday following undecorating and all of that. Uh, can also do it the next Monday or any other time that works for you. Just let me know. Uh, and I'd be happy to continue that tradition with you all and bless your house for the coming year. Uh, please make sure to check your mailboxes. Your newsletters are in there. Year-end statements are there. Pick them up if you're able. Uh, also, poinsettias uh, are ready to go home with you. If you have some that you haven't picked up yet, please grab those on your way out. Uh, a reminder that Rose is working on directory for this coming year. So if there are any changes that we don't know about, cell phone numbers, email, whatever, please let us know so we have good contact information for you. Uh, you'll notice also that there are some Bible reading plans laying out in the narthex. Uh, one of those is our Synod reading plan for this year. So the Synod's year for 2022 is the year of vision. And so our bishop is going to focus on looking at the prophets and the poetry in the Old Testament. So there's a reading plan that will take you through reading the Old Testament prophets throughout the year. Uh, if you're interested in making that a goal for this year, check those out. Uh, and you will always be blessed by reading God's word. Are there other announcements, other prayer requests we have for the congregation? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, continue to pray for Rose. Yeah, to the microbes and ICU. Okay, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, uh, let's pray for Mike as well. Yeah. Okay, David? Okay. All right, if there are no other announcements, then I will invite you to take a moment to quiet your heart and quiet your minds as we prepare to worship.
Congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you, thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. Everlasting God, the radiance of all faithful people, you brought the nations to the brightness of your rising. Fill the world with your glory and show yourself to all the world through him who is the true light and the bright morning star, your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise up on you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Be we'll read responsively Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. That the mountains may bring prosperity to the people and the hills in righteousness. Let him defend the needy from the needy. Rescue the poor and crush the oppressor. May he live as long as the sun and moon endure from one generation to another. In his time may the righteous flourish. And let there be an abundance of peace till the moon shall be no more. May 
May all kings bow down before him, and all the nations do him service. He has compassion on the lowly and poor, and preserves the lives of the needy. A reading from Ephesians. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. I to be seated. Children, I invite you forward. All right, I have a question. Maybe this is silly, but have you ever stared at the sun? What happens when you stare at the sun? It hurts your eyes. Yeah, don't stare at the sun, right? Uh, but it's not good for you. It's not good for your eyes to stare at the sun. But why does it hurt your eyes to stare at the sun? It's really bright. Yeah, that's it, right? It's really bright, and your eyes can't see that. But 
Epiphany, the day we celebrate today, has this theme of light. In our Old Testament reading from Isaiah, it says, Arise, your light has come. And we're supposed to read that and understand that Jesus is the light, right? And so part of me sort of thinks of Jesus as the light, sort of like Jesus as the sun. Not that he's too bright to look at, but he's so bright that he brings light to the whole world. Right? Have you ever taken a flashlight out in the middle of the day? It doesn't do you much good, right? Or have you ever tried to like look at your phone and it's noon and it's really bright and you just can't see your phone just quite right because right? it's so bright? Right? The sun is the brightest thing and its light gives light everywhere. Right? Well, Christ is like that for us. Right? Christ is so bright. Christ is so good. Christ is the source of all that's true. Christ is our reason for hope. That he gives light to everything in our life. Right? There's no part of your life that Christ cannot give hope to. Right? There's no part of your life that Christ is not in. Christ is with you everywhere, in every part of your life. And not only with you, but with the whole world. Right? Christ is the hope of the whole world. And that's what Epiphany this day is about. It's about celebrating that fact that Christ is your hope and Christ is the hope of the whole world. So just like the sun brightens up the whole world, so he brightens up the whole world. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our light. Shine in us, Lord. And shine through us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Epiphany as a holiday does indeed focus on the theme of light. And that's why Isaiah 60 is our Old Testament reading this morning. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so as we read Isaiah 60, as we read our gospel in Matthew chapter 2, we should recognize something about what it means to connect with Christ as the light. Right? Christ is not simply a flashlight that gives a little bit of guidance in the darkness of this world. No, rather Christ is like the sun. Christ dispels all darkness. The light of Christ makes all other light seem insignificant. In other words, to talk about the light of Christ on Epiphany is to talk about Christ as King, Christ as Lord. All powers, all principalities, all people, everything is subject to him. Just as in the sky, no star, no comet, no planet, no asteroid can compare to the brightness of the sun, nothing compares to the brightness of Christ. And that's what Epiphany means. An Epiphany is a revelation a disclosure of something we did not yet fully know. And on Epiphany, we celebrate that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the Christ child. Right? God discloses himself to us. And by disclosing himself to us through Christ, he discloses the whole world through his light to us. And so today we recognize that Christ is above all. And so the lordship of Christ, Christ being above all, that's the real theme of the story of the Magi. And so looking at Matthew 2, I would like to begin with kind of repainting the picture of the wise men. So as you know, that the word that gets translated wise men is in fact Magi. And Magi literally just means magicians. Right? It's where we get our English word magic. In the ancient world, these magicians were not just sorcerers who cast magic spells like we might think of as a magician or a wizard. Rather, they were also astrologers, they were fortune tellers, they were dream interpreters. And the good ones did not just have dark storefront shops where you paid a few dollars to have your fortune read. Rather, they were known as advice givers to politicians and to kings. Right? Remember the story of Joseph in Genesis. Although not a magician, he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams 
because the Lord had given him that gift. But Pharaoh's magicians, Pharaoh's magi, could not. There's a similar story in the book of Daniel. Right? Nebuchadnezzar's magi cannot tell him what his dreams mean. Daniel can because the Lord reveals it to him. Even in Acts chapter 13, there's a magician named Bar-Jesus who works for a governor and who tries to keep Paul and Barnabas from preaching the gospel to the governor. Paul makes that man's vision dark, showing that the magician is no guide to truth and has no real power. And so in the Bible in general, magi were men trusted by the king because of their abilities to use magic and to have secret knowledge to give advice to people in power. It was believed that these men had the tools and the insight to tap into sources of information that other mortal men did not. And so these magicians and astrologers were not well liked by faithful Jews in the Old Testament. Instead, they always opposed the true prophets of God. They got in the way and had to be put in their place by the Lord's messengers. And this shows up over and over in the Bible. In the story of Joseph and Moses, Elijah, Daniel, stories of the apostles. And so we often have the view from our nativity plays and our paintings and our songs that there were three wise, rational, learned, well-respected, kingly figures. We imagine that the Magi were beloved and gentle. But this isn't exactly the picture we're given in the Bible. Instead, Magi would have been viewed by faithful Jews as enemies of God. They were using magic and astrology to claim information. This was something that was forbidden by God in the Old Testament. These are the people who usually oppose God's prophets. These are the people who believe they have some control over nature, that they have special insight into the future. These are the people who the Jews believed led others astray because they pointed to some other truth than that the Lord is God. And so when the Magi get to Jerusalem, immediately they go to King Herod and they begin to work in his service. Right? This speaks to the wickedness of Herod because under no circumstances should a Jewish king been consulting with magicians. They were seeking out the newborn king so that Herod supposedly could pay homage to him. But in fact, there doesn't seem yet to be any indication that the Magi distrusted Herod. They were working in his service. And so later, not until God reveals it to him, will they come to distrust him. But the story of the Magi in Matthew 2 takes its real turn as the star that they had observed in the east begins to lead them to where the Christ child was. Right, this is something supernatural. Right, so they, follow, they see a star in the sky and they follow it westward. They're from the east. And they don't know where they're going except that somehow the star is over Jerusalem. Right, but now we see that the star is physically leading them to a house. Right, that's something supernatural. You can follow the direction of a star. If a star is in the western sky, you can head west. But a star can't lead you. It cannot lead you to a specific house. And so in our story, the star leads the Magi right to a house, and it stands still right over that house where Christ is. And the Magi recognize this. Right? They come to acknowledge that Christ is not just the king of the Jews. He's not just a successor to Herod. Instead, there's something very, very unique about this child. They see that Christ has a divine right over everyone and everything. Because even the stars move in his service. Right? The story of the wise men coming to Christ, I believe, is a conversion story. It's a story that begins with pagan astrologers working with King Herod and working with the powers of this world. But it ends with these men giving their allegiance to Christ. The stars that the Magi study and observe, the stars that they believe point them to the truth, have now physically and directly led them to Christ. And this is why they are joyful when they arrive. They know now they have met more than a king. They have met the king. And the one last detail we're all familiar with is the presentation of three gifts these magi give to the Christ child. I would imagine that we have all heard at some point 
that each gift carries with it some symbolism. Right? Something like myrrh is used for anointing, frankincense for burial, gold for a king, or some variation of this idea. But again, I would suggest that we could read that differently. The Magi here are not giving symbolic gifts and homage to the king. Rather, they're handing over the tools of their trade and understanding that Christ is the real source of all that's true. Right, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these were common stock and trade of magi. Magical charms were written in myrrh ink. Frankincense and gold were used in incantations and alchemy. And so they hand over these gifts to Christ, and they're saying, we no longer need these, because we have found you. Right, we don't need this magic, we don't need this astrology anymore because we have found the true source of all that's good in this universe. They're submitting themselves to the one who has all the power. They're saying, we're not going to practice magic and astrology anymore, because Christ is who we need. And so they bow down and they worship him. In that way, they stand in contrast to Herod in the story. Herod tries to hold on to his power at any cost. Right? He will associate with magicians and failing that, he will seek to kill innocent children. He is frightened that he might lose his power and his status to the Christ child. And so rather than placing his crown at the feet of Jesus, Herod becomes a devil opposing what is good. And so our story gives us two approaches to Christ. Right, we ourselves can acknowledge him as the true Lord over all creation, or we can deny that and resist the truth. For Christians, the revelation that Christ is king of all at Epiphany is our objective fact. It's what we base our faith on. A few years ago, you may have seen the social media trend to say hashtag not my president, right, as a kind of protest. But the world doesn't work like that. And the person in the White House was president, whether you liked it or not. Likewise, what we see is that Christ is king, whether or not we want to accept it. Here, the Magi accept it, and they turn their lives over to him, whereas Herod does not. And so the key for us is to come to a place like the Magi, in which we see that Christ changes our world, and so we submit to him. The Magi give up the tools of their trade. The Magi give up their beliefs about magic and astrology and fortune-telling because they find the truth, and they found that the truth is better. They found that when they got to the truth, they were joyful. Our text says they worshipped him joyfully. They were no longer just advice givers to authorities of this world. Rather, they were the ones who stood joyfully in the king's presence, the true king's presence. And so on this epiphany, we're called to also ask ourselves, is there anything that stands in the way of acknowledging Christ as Lord not only of this world, but the Lord of your life? Is there some dark place in your life that you try to keep away from the brightness of the light of Christ? There could be some sin in your life, some conflict you have with another. There could be something that you just feel weighing heavily on your heart. But turn it over to Christ. Let Christ be the Lord of your life. Right? The Magi come to a place where they admitted they were living a lie. They admitted that they had an incomplete grasp of the truth. But Christ came to them as the full truth. Christ came to give them a new life, to give them new understanding. And they turned over their old life to him. We also can turn our life over to Christ. And when we do, we'll find a king who shines the light of goodness on us. We'll find a king who shines his blessings on our hearts. Amen.
Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Gathered with all who seek the Christ child, let us pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. From distant lands and far off places, you have gathered to yourself a people to wear your name and to live in the light of your word. Bless your church, dear Lord, where she struggles to survive and where she labors to keep up with all the growth you give her, that we as the church may be united in doctrine, live in harmony and peace, and work together, that those still in darkness and death may be brought into the light of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Through your word, you have made known the mystery of Christ and granted redemption to all people through faith. Guide those who preach your word, and give them loving hearts to shepherd your people faithfully. Bless all church work workers, all ministers, all missionaries, and those now preparing for your service. Especially bless the seminaries and colleges of our church. Lord, in your mercy. Give us greater awareness of our responsibility to care for your good creation. Help us to use resources wisely in order to preserve the health of the air, water, and land in the present and for future generations. Lord, in your mercy. Kings and governments rise and fall, but your word endures forever. Give to all our elected and appointed leaders, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, grace and wisdom sufficient for their task. Bless especially now those who protect us at home and the servicemen and women who defend us throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy. By your mercy, we are preserved in times of trouble and sustained in illness. Bless the sick and those troubled in mind and heart, and grant them healing according to your will. Encourage the grieving with hope, and comfort those who are ill. Especially do we pray for Bob and Steve, June, Chuck, Mike, Nancy, Donald, Greg, Ray, David, Amanda, Dwight, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, and Carolyn, Carolyn, and Jane. Lord, in your mercy. Throughout time, you have given us saints who have shown us the gift of your grace, especially the Virgin Mary and Joseph. Inspire us by their faithfulness to serve you and all your people, and bring us with them to the day of our resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Into your gracious hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your steadfast mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you proclaimed him, your beloved Son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Holy One, the beginning and the end, the giver of life, blessed are you from the birth of creation. Blessed are you in the darkness and in the light. Blessed are you for your promise to your people. Blessed are you in the prophets' hopes and dreams. Blessed are you for Mary's openness to your will. Blessed are you for your Son, Jesus, the Word made flesh. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your word dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. We remember our new birth and his death and resurrection. We look with hope for his coming. Holy God, we long for your spirit. Come among us. Bless this meal. May your word take flesh in us. Awaken your people. Fill us with your light. Bring the gift of peace on earth. All praise and glory are yours, Holy One of Israel, Word of God incarnate, power of the Most High, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, please stand. Now let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.